What is up, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Combo's Court. Thank you to everyone who tunes into the show across the globe. Today's episode, Will Manzo, reporter for the Miami Heat, joins in to talk Spo's journey. Is Kyle the X Factor? Where does Jimmy Butler rank among the NBA's best players? And more intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. And reporter for the Miami Heat. You could also catch him on WPLG Local 10. Welcome to Combos Court, man. How are you feeling today? How's the Bahamas? I'm good. You know, it's it's uh, I'm tired today just because after two days in the Bahamas, but for all good reasons, man. It was a great trip. The weather, we got lucky, you know, given the storm that was going through Florida. We got the first day a little bit of rain, a very little wind, and it was beautiful yesterday. So we were very fortunate given everything that was happening not too far away. Most definitely. Prayers to everybody affected uh, from the hurricane, for sure. Um, I want to start I want to start with Coach Spo, right, because he's such an inspirational story, especially for young coaches out there. Video coordinator, assistant coach to head coach, NBA champion. What could young coaches learn from Spo's journey? Well, it's tough because, you know, I wish it was that easy, right? That you could just tell everybody, work your way up and you'll be a head coach one day. I mean, it takes a lot right. of luck. And Spo will tell you that. You know, I've had that conversation with him in the past about his rise. And I remember Spo being the young video guy and then working his way to assistant coach. And the thing about Spo that I think any young coach or old coach can learn from as well is that you just never can stop. You have to keep working. Spo never took it for granted, the opportunities he's gotten. And to this day, like even yesterday, I saw him at camp. He came back after the birth of his, of his daughter. Right. And, he, day, and Spo was like, man, it's, it's so good to be here. Like the energy that he had, he's like, it's just, this is, this is what life is for me, you know, my family and then my heat family. So I think what you take from it is that you got to keep grinding. You got to keep going. Like this work never stops, even when you reach a high level of success. And Spo has had that attitude since the beginning of his journey. He never took it for granted and he never will. Obviously, pretty, being a really smart guy when it comes to basketball and having Pat Riley on his side has helped as well. Yeah. And he has a great staff as well. They always get the best out of unknown talent. How does, yeah. the, Miami, how does the Miami Heat continue to do that at such a high level? Well, I think Spo is a credit to it. You know, he puts good people around them as staff. But like even yesterday, you know, everybody's talking about position battles and, and you know, people look at the loss of P.J. Tucker and not having a true four entering, you know, like, OK, that, that bona fide, this is definitely your four. Uh, losing Tuck, all of a sudden Spo looks at it as like, no, man, I got guys. I got guys that I want to maneuver and work in and out of the lineup. And I think to his credit, he takes the pieces he's given and he makes them work. And I think that's the sign of a good coach. You don't. You don't sit there and go, well, I need a, who's my one, who's my two, who's my three. You know, Spo was one of the first coaches about a decade ago, really, where, you know, when he first started getting get rolling and even prior to the big three, talking about positionless basketball. And now it's become kind of a cliche term, but that's never been a cliche for Spo. To him, everybody can play various positions depending on the alignment that he sets up and the matchup that they have. So he doesn't like to just 
say you're this and you're that, that limits too many possibilities. And I think that's a big reason why they have so much success with whatever roster they throw out there. Yeah, I often call it a copycat league, but it definitely seems like Spo is not always following what's happening in the league, and he's just going to change from year to year with what he has. Yeah, and look, you know, Spo was remember no system of of you know spacing and again positionless. It was something that we saw in the big three. It's easy to deflect it as just the big three because when you have three Hall of Fame players on your team as three of your starters including maybe the greatest of all time in LeBron, it's very easy to just say, well, it's just the players, he's not the coach. But once you get past those players, you look at Spo working different guys into the system and that spacing. And look, he adapted to the three-point game and the need that he had become one of the top three-pointing te- shooting teams in the NBA. They were last year, again. You know, so when you talk about volume of shooting and percentage of shooting, Spo has found the way to kind of adapt as the game goes on. You talked about copycat league. Spo kind of adapts to, he doesn't necessarily say, I got to be this way. He says, I can be this way, but let me tweak it a little bit more. And he kind of advances what are the trends in the game. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot more than throwing players on the court. We've seen that this past season with the Nets and the Lakers, right? If it was only that easy, man, we just signed good <laughs> star, big names and everybody wins. It's not that easy. How much of um, Kyle's health conditioning, mm-hmm. um, him staying available, how much of that is an X factor for this team going all the way? You know, it's important. It's important. I think, you know, the thing that we lose track of Kyle is that last year and it got lost in it because they fell one shot short and because Kyle was such kind of the he had that bullseye on him because he wasn't in ideal shape for most of the year. But as the season went on, the final two weeks of the regular season, Kyle was playing really good basketball. He was playing his best ball of the year. And I think everybody was thinking, ha. This is the Kyle Lowry that they wanted and they got, and he's going to lead them through the playoffs. And then he had a little bit of an injury setback, and then it just it never rolled and clicked for him in the playoffs. And I think when you look at what he is and can still be, you know, they need him to be the Kyle Lowry that he can be. You know, and I, and I think there's no reason he can't be. You know, he can't. I saw him this weekend out there in the Bahamas. He looks in great shape. You know, whether it, that's the shape they need him to all year, he can maintain that. We'll see, but. He looks in great shape. Mentally, he seems to be in a good place. He was going through a lot of personal issues. He even admitted recently that he still has personal issues and things going on in his life. Uh, that's a lot to weigh. And Spo yesterday was asked about his weight you know, and his shape, and he said, Kyle's in great shape. We need him. But he also said, I think too many people are just, you know, you lose sight of the things he was going through mentally last year off the court. It weighs on you, even a guy who's been in the league 16, 17 seasons, but likely Hall of Famer and NBA champ like Kyle Lowry. You mentioned it, likely Hall of Famer, and he has two things that you want from NBA, a starter. He could defend, and he could set the table. Two things that Tyler Hero really doesn't do, and we all know Tyler wants to be a starter. How do you see that going for him this season? No contract extension, but do you think he'll be a starter, or do you think he'll continue to come off the bench? Well, the storyline of the contract, you know, we're looking at less than three weeks before they got to knock that thing out or it doesn't happen, you know, before the season. And then you go into a restricted free agency next year. So, yeah, that's a storyline that's going to last for at least another two, three weeks. If not, you know, if he doesn't sign before then, I think when you look at Tyler, he's in outstanding shape. He has gotten stronger. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. guy. He he said his body fat is down. Not that I mean, the guy was. Now, body fat wasn't really an issue with Tyler, but I think it's clearly built muscle. He's working hard. He took the challenge of Pat Riley to be a better defender and to come back stronger to heart. And, you know, you see him working. Like, is Tyler going to be all world NBA? No. But as far as defense, no. That's just it's, – it's, it's asking a lot with his frame in this league to guard a lot of players. 
but I think the effort is there and he's aware that he's had to get stronger. And like he said yesterday, you know, he was talking to the media yesterday. He said, look, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm the best player in the world, but I mean, you can't, uh, guy's been in the league three years and averaged 22 a game last year was six man of the year. A couple of years ago, I had some success in the finals. Obviously he knows his worth and he knows he's a good player. So the next step for Tyler in his progression is to maintain that scoring and he wants it to be as a starter. If he plays the kind of defense they want, they're going to give him every opportunity to earn this starting job over the next few weeks. Absolute bucket getter. Um, do you feel he's a starter type player? Because as I mentioned before, he doesn't really defend at the highest level and he's always in go mode. He never really sets up others. He, I, I think he's a starter, but I think to your point, I think he recognizes he's had to become a better ball handler. And I thought last year's mm-hmm. facilitated got better. I thought his assist last year, he was, it's funny, last week we were taping things for our heat shows, just working ahead, you know, looking ahead. So we took a game from last year and it happened to be a game where Tyler had six assists. And it was funny to see him. It was almost like the Matrix, like Neo, like he was <laughs> going up for a shot. And he's like in midair, decides to pass the ball. And that's an evolution of his game that he didn't have his first two years. I thought we saw more of that last year where he wasn't just going up and shooting. He was going up, noticing the defense. And if he had a clean look, he'd take it. But if he can draw defenders over on that look, he would dish it. And I think that's important in continuing to evolve because for him, as you just mentioned, the start you know, get those minutes as a starter, he has to be able to facilitate. But I will say this. The one thing about Eric Spolstra's system is it's not always who starts, it's who finishes. And if Tyler's in the finishing lineup, which he was often last year, especially uh, early in the year when they needed that scoring, he's going to get plenty of playing time. We talked about uh, we talked about Spo's story. Duncan has an incredible story himself. You know, Division Three, Michigan, NBA, amazing uh, contract extension or a uh, contract for him. Shouts to him. That's amazing. He has a podcast as well. But uh, the shooting struggles, how much of that was the pressure of the contract or was it that just teams focused more on him or was it a combination of both? I, I think the fair answer is a combination of both. And, you know, I talked to Duncan on media day and he said uh, he went back. He looked at video. He looked at things. He talked to those closest to him that that know him best. So he spent the offseason, you know, obviously working, trying to get stronger, continuing to shoot, you know, letting it fly, as he likes to say. But uh-huh. I think he also recognized that there are things that struggle, that he struggled with last year, and he had to find out what those things were. And he went to those closest to him and that know him best who wouldn't BS him and just said, hey, this is what you need to do to be the guy that you were. I think part of Duncan's thing is it might have gotten to his head. You get a big contract, you almost feel like you got to be a different player. And, you know, Duncan has really tried hard to evolve his game of driving and scoring because teams are going to defend him. And if you got bodies coming at you in the NBA, it's hard to shoot contested, right? He makes contested threes. But if he can get around that and get to the basket, it's something he's trying to learn. So I think the mental side of it and just getting over that hurdle of like, man, you belong. It's okay. You've proven it. Keep shooting. but Keep evolving your game and it's going to be okay. He seems to be in a good frame of mind. But I also think he knows that the pressures are on this year. He needs to produce better than he did last year. I mean, that's as simple as that. The focus of his game will always be shooting, but he tries really hard on defense in the bubble. He was scoring in transition, getting to the rim when he had to. And we definitely saw less of that last season, right? Yeah. And I think part of that, again, it was the mental side of it. You know, like I think stuff gets in your head, you know, and Duncan is one that, you know, you mentioned this podcast, Duncan and and a lot of the guys say this, that they don't hear things, but then you ask some of the other guys and Trust me, man, they hear everything. They know the narratives that are being set, whether it be by the media, whether it be by social media and fans. They hear narratives. They hear the the, the complaints, and it gets to them, and, and that can easily get in somebody's head. I'm not saying that's exactly what happened to Duncan, but I do think he put too much on himself. 
where just be yourself, man. Like he said, let it fly, shoot the heat, have all the confidence in the world in him. So he can still be that guy that shoots at a 40% clip. And, you know, again, he draws so much attention and that spacing is a key to Miami's offense. Do you think the podcast has been detrimental to his game? Possibly. I don't, you know, I, I can't, I can't say that with any kind of knowledge that he has because these guys, you know, it's funny. You see these guys in a personal setting away from the game. They all have lives, you know, some of them have kids, families, wives, uh, you know, investments, whatever it may be. I mean, uh, podcasting isn't the worst thing he could be doing, right? Especially yeah. in Miami. <laughs> yeah. So to think that a guy at that level lets a podcast podcast affect him. So put it this way, you know, Tyree Kills got a podcast that he was doing up until the beginning of the season, and he's a machine, man. He's doing just fine here by me with the Dolphins. I think success too often is you you look for a reason, like, oh, is it this driving it? And I think failure the same way. You start looking at yeah. like, oh, what can it be? I think Duncan, it's more mental. Get back to his game from it's not the podcast, it's not the money. It's I think him understanding. He's a, he could be that same player that he's been even better. As an overall player, Bam has gotten better every year. Offensively, though, I feel he could look for his own maybe a little bit more. Like even sometimes the transition, he doesn't even really look at the basket. It's almost like he's looking for a handoff or he's looking for a pass. And I love that he's a hub offensively. He's like a, he plays that point forward role at times. Do you feel like he has to look more for his own this year? Yes. And I think he does too. But I also think it's, he, he gets caught in the middle. And, it, and it's very easy to blame Bam for this. But the reality is it's sort of the Heat's offensive fault, which is okay. But Bam is so good and so versatile and so good at the top of the key with the dribble hand off the pick and rolls and doing different things that it gets lost that he kind of, in a way, facilitates that offense. You know, Like you said, a point center, point forward kind of guy where – that's a lot of the triggers to their offense start there. So it's very easy to say, bam, be more aggressive. Just get the ball and go to the basket. But then it loses sight of the rest of the offense. So there's the balance. Like, yeah, if he's faced up to the basket and there's nobody in front of him and this man's giving him space, be aggressive and dribble, get to the basket or take that mid range. But again, a lot of their offense and Eric Spolster has said it runs through bam at the top of the key, kind of dictating things. So you can't just say bam, be more aggressive and shoot 22 times a game. We saw it in a, in a I'm blanking right now. Was it game? What game was it in a, a game four? I think in Boston was a game four where they had that, where, where they needed uh, Bam to have a big day in Boston. And he did in the Eastern conference finals. He went nuts. He had a great game. He took over 20 shots. It can't be like that every game. Because the Heat offense isn't built that way. It's built through Jimmy. You know, obviously Tyler's got to get his buckets. It's built through spacing. And Bam is a big part of setting that up. I think I saw Jimmy talk about his um, NBA ESPN reg 17. He's like, 17? Pretty good where I come from. That that was a funny (laughs) quote. But I would say Jimmy, when he's at his best, he's like a top five to seven player. Like when he's really going at it, scoring you know, scoring 40 points. He like, like he really looks like Michael Jordan at times. I know that sounds crazy, but it really is true. Um, I think he doesn't get enough credit for how much of a team guy he is. Cause everybody looks at him as like the killer, you know, the dog, but I think he's such a team guy that he doesn't want to play like that all the time. Right? No. And I think, look, to Jimmy's Jimmy loves playing defense. Jimmy loves being aggressive. He, he prides himself on the pick sixes. I suppose says, you know, grab him yeah. and go the way. He takes a lot of chances. He's one of the league leaders in steals every year. I mean, he's very aggressive defensively. He can man up one through five uh, a lot of nights, you know, throughout the games, which is very unique. I think when you look at Jimmy's full game, you know, too many people get caught up in like, oh, he's not a 30-point scorer, but he right. can score. You see him score 40, as you just mentioned. We've seen him take over games with that aggression of getting to the free throw line, not settling for mid-range, not taking chucking threes, 
going out there and driving to the basket, getting contact, finishing, getting to the free throw line. You couple that with his defense. To me, Jimmy's the top 10 player in the league. And like you said, look, look at the last three years sample size with the Heat, right? One NBA Finals appearance where he basically carried that team to even make it sort of a series against the Lakers in the bubble. And then last year, carrying the, the, the Heat to a Game 7. And, you know, people talk about that final shot, but he was a monster. He had, his, he had the right to take that shot to try to lead them to the Finals. Outside of Giannis, right? There are many players in the last three years that have been able to have that kind of playoff success and domination the way he has. He's been that good, and he deserves all the credit in the world for the way he plays. Will, great stuff. You're always welcome back on the show. Thank you so much for taking the time. Where can we find you? Social media, everywhere else? Yeah, I got my regular account. I love talking hoops and any other sports from Miami or otherwise at uh, at Will Manso. Just my name, at Will Manso. Hit me up there. I always love chatting, and it's my pleasure, man. Anytime you need me on during the season, we can definitely chat some more hoops. Truly appreciate it. Have fun in the Bahamas. Uh, You're always welcome back on the show and talk soon. You got it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Combos Court. Punch down on that subscribe button if you haven't already. Big thanks to Will for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation, if you would like to receive bonus Combos Court content, check out the Patreon page. I'll leave a link in the description for that. Also, share this episode. Share it with a friend, Twitter. Facebook, share it on your IG stories. You could tag me on your IG stories at 1-2-Combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Be on the lookout for episode 408. Combo out.